What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshan. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today because uh, it's the it's the finale. It's the end of Black History Month. Well, not the end yet, but this will be <laughs> our last, almost the end. This will be our last episode coming out in Black History Month. So for us... It is our finale episode, and we we had to go out with an absolute banger of a movie. Mm-hmm. Tell them. <laughs> so you already know what time it is. Um, we had to go ahead and get out, leave right now. It's the <laughs> end of you and me. Uh, we couldn't resist. We had to. We had to do it to him. We did. We did. <laughs> We've been like waiting for the right time to do this movie too. Like I know we talked about it in the past about I mean, we're going to do this movie, but when when's the best time to do it? Mm-hmm. And I think we might have chose the best time to do it. The time, if we're being fair. <laughs> I and I will say I if you agree with me that us and Get Out were like always going to be on the docket, despite the fact that, you know, we maybe missed the boat, not miss the boat, because we talk about movies from all different times. But I do think that Us and Get Out are movies that are fairly discussed, theorized, broken down quite often. Mm-hmm. But what I do appreciate about these movies is that no matter how many times that happens, each person who watches them is going to have a totally different feeling about them, theory about them, pick up on different things because there's so much to them. Right. So I've been really, really excited to to talk about this movie. And also it gives me an excuse to watch it again. Not that mm-hmm, I need one, mm-hmm. but... Right. But no, that was, a, that was a big thing too. Is this is my... I think this is my second time watching it. I I thought when, when I started, I thought it was my third time, but I was like, I think I watched it the first time and then told myself I need to watch this movie again and then didn't. And so getting to finally watch it again, because I feel I almost feel like this is one of those movies that after you watch it, you just play the movie back in your brain like a hundred mm-hmm. times. So I felt like I'd watched it several times. I literally did the exact same thing that you did. I thought yeah. I was going to be sitting here looking stupid because I was like, oh, man, I, like, I, th- I talk about this movie so much. I've only seen it once. But, you know, <laughs> obviously before we rewatched it. But I'm glad you did the same thing because, yeah, I agree. It's like I watched it the one time and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be one that I play the fuck out of. Never to be watched again. And the first <laughs> time I watched it was when it was in theaters. <laughs> and mm. it's not because I had no desire to. It's just, yeah, I... You know, I replayed moments of it in my head. I talked about it so much. It felt like I was watching it often. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when I rewatched it for this, I remembered 
a lot more than I thought I was going to because I bring it up so so often. But uh, there are a lot of things that I picked up since knowing the twist and this being, you know, my first rewatch. There are a lot of things that I knew to pay attention to this time. Mm -hmm. And so it was a complete it was a completely different watch for me still. Yeah. So there people aren't kidding when they say you need to watch this movie twice. And it is 100 percent true. Mm -hmm. It is a whole different experience. And I'm super psyched to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, shall we go ahead and bibbity bop to it then? Because I, my journal is burning with notes, ready to jump <laughs> off the page. <laughs> All right, let's let's try and tackle the beast of a movie that is Get Out, mm-hmm. which, as everyone knows, was written and directed by Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Allison Williams, along with Katherine Keener. Bradley Whitford, and Lil Rel Howery. Chris, a young black photographer, is nervous about meeting the white family of his girlfriend of five months, Rose. Rose assures Chris that everything will be fine, so he leaves his dog in the care of his good friend Rod and heads off to the Armitage family estate. Chris and Rose are greeted by Rose's parents and their housekeepers, Walter and Georgina. Rose's family is seemingly normal, Missy being a renowned hypnotherapist and Dean being an accomplished neurosurgeon who would have voted for Obama a third time if he could. Chris, however, begins to feel uneasy after noticing some odd behavior with Walter and Georgina. After a quick trip to the sunken place, Chris and Rose are joined on the estate by several wealthy white couples for the Armitage's supposed annual get-together. But, after a strange encounter with the eerily familiar Logan King, Chris and Rod are beginning to think that he needs to get out of his situation. Insert sinister bingo games, teacup hypnosis, and questionable cereal consumption methods here. Our film concludes with Chris fighting for his life against the Armitage family, who plans on forcing Chris into a twisted psycho-slavery deal. Also, TSA gets shit done. Roll credits. Yes, they do. At least yes, they do. Yes, they, they do. Sh- he does for sure. <laughs> that is a Dude, fact. Dude, I loved Rod. Rod, Rod's such a great character. I'm so happy he was in this movie. I know. He is a great character. He is the audience. He speaks for the audience. Like, <laughs> he really does. Rod is every black person who's ever sat in a horror movie ever just yelling at the screen like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Leave. Now. What are you doing? <laughs> All right. So get out. Let's, let's, let's chat about it. A little chit-chat. First and foremost, like we said before, this is both of our second time viewing it, right? Like this mm-hmm. was your second time w- watching it? hmm And how would you say you felt differently about the movie from your first time watching it to your second time watching it? I think, okay, the first time watching it, I was so hooked within the story. It was like a very emotional watching because I was so invested in the story that I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. That I just, That's all I needed to know. And then the like release of the ending was everything to me. And mm-hmm. I think the first time watching it, you know, I was very like enamored with the characters. And don't not to say that I wasn't, you know, I was also 
into the story as well. But because there was so many twists and turns, I was always looking at every character like, now what are they going to do? Okay, what's going to happen now? Who is, can he trust that person, you know? And so my second time watching it, knowing how it ends, it, it was much more of like a logical watch like I definitely was more attuned to pay attention to details and try and spot out little nuggets of you know foreshadowing throughout Mm -hmm. just because you know I was just interested to see what was there and I will say that I think I appreciate the writing much more this second time through um than I did the first but also I I really appreciate the acting even more, though, this second time, because mm-hmm. like, obviously, the first time I watched it, I still I, I thought that everybody did an amazing job because everybody in this movie does do an amazing job. The acting in this, I think, in every moment is just like spot on. But the second time around, I really have to give props to um, Lakeith Stanfield and... Betty Gabriel, right? That is her name? Yes, uh, Betty. Georgina? Yes, Betty Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, Okay. First of all, I have to give them their flowers. Oh, and Marcus Henderson, who played Walter. Because mm-hmm. what a con... Like, it is very, very hard <laughs> to already be playing a character that is not yourself. Now you're playing a character that is trapped. You're playing not yourself, but you're also playing a person that is trapped within another person's body and they're being controlled. Like, it's just a lot of layers. And I just think that they do it so masterfully. And I was so, like, captivated by watching them and knowing that the entire time that they're acting, that, you know, there's this other person that's fighting for power within them. I think that they do an amazing job at portraying that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, it's insane. And also, Allison Williams... I appreciated her character even more the second time as far as how she played her. Because obviously the first time I watched it, I was just so like, (laughs) I was just so focused on hating her once I knew what I knew that I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, fuck her and everybody she knows. I was like, I can't stand her and I don't care about her. But the, you know, on the second watch through, she's just so like, the little subtle things that she does are just so good. Um, so yeah, I just have to, I just had to give them their props because don't get me wrong, obviously, Daniel as Chris is a standout. And after yeah, I watched I think this that's, mo- that's without even saying. Oh, like, yeah. He's just so phenomenal in this film, along with every, like, honestly, you are so correct in that. Everybody in this production, even from like the smallest sub character, I think everybody adds so much to this particular production that like the entire cast is just full of standouts. Insane. Everybody's so good. There is even this one old lady <laughs> in the party scene. She was she was silent acting her ass off. She said, This is my moment <laughs> and I'm gonna take it. I've waited my whole life to play. An old white woman. I. This is perfect. This is perfect for me. And you know what? I said that everybody is just good. Like, why is everybody mm-hmm. just so good at their part? Which is probably also, you know, an a testament to Jordan Peele's directing, I'm sure. Is right. He just 
knew what he wanted in every single shot. But yeah, I I don't know. I just think that across the board, this movie, it hits. Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, it it hits. hits. It most definitely hits. Oh, she hits. And (laughs) I'm just, you know, she hits just as good on a rewatch. Yeah. I, I very much agree with you that I felt like the first viewing of this film helps you appreciate the plot, the circumstance, and the performances of everyone. I think the first time you watch this movie, because it's just such a good movie, and that first viewing is such a journey, such an experience, that by the end of it, you're just sitting there in your seat going like, wow, that just happened on screen. And then the second time you watch it, now knowing all the twists and turns that are going to happen throughout the movie, which, by the way, guys, very much in spoiler territory at this point, if you, for some reason, haven't seen Get Out by now, one, shame on you. You should have watched this movie already. <laughs> but two, make sure you go watch it so you don't get everything spoiled for you. Yeah. Um, but the second viewing of this movie, I think, really solidifies the script directing and the the beast that is the actual film itself. Because now that you've experienced the story one time, you, like you said, get to sit back and really analyze the things that are happening with this new lens, with this new perspective. And it just shines a light on so many little things that I feel like when you're so swept up in the story the first time, it's really hard to notice these things in real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that because you're... So because there's so in every moment, there's so much information to pick up on and so much going on. It's you're you're taking everything in at once. So you don't notice, you know, everything because you just can't. You It's impossible. Yeah. But upon a rewatch, it's, you know, you can look at other things and pay attention to other things. And I will say, too, another reason I think that that first viewing was so like visceral and I wasn't paying as much attention to the detail was because I saw it in theaters and Mm -hmm. which was an experience oh my god such an experience to watch that in theaters oh so good it's what I imagined like you know those commercials where they're like oh chewing five gum or whatever and it's like (laughs) a person like on a bunch of stereos and they're like vibrating or they're like on top of a cliff and there's like wind rushing through them those Mm. weird commercials that's what chewing five gum is it's watching get out in a movie theater because (laughs) i the experience uh, unmatched unmatched top five orgasms in my life one of them was at get out watching it in the theater because i was in a crowd i was in a theater that was predominantly black people and Mm -hmm. everyone was just so into the movie and everyone was having the same reactions at the same time like oh my god it's what i've never you know i've never been to like a Marvel movie when it first comes out or anything like that. But I always see those videos of people watching it and everyone's like cheering in the theater when like their favorite superhero comes out. Mm -hmm. That's what Get Out felt like. Like everyone cheering at the appropriate times and like shocked at the appropriate times and everybody experiencing that together. And 
okay, I hope you left if you haven't seen it because here we go. But that moment, (laughs) you know, that moment at the end when Rod, when Rod opens the police car, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and it's actually the airport security car. Oh, my God. The applause. (laughs) Right. Cue the applause. That rang out throughout the theater. Oh, my God. Like I've a, never seen so much like black victory oh within a movie theater as watching Get Out for the first time with a bunch of people and getting to that ending, which is definitely a topic of discussion, too, because uh, as most people know by now, there are two different endings to that film, mm-hmm. um, which I think we'll discuss a little bit later. But the experience of just watching this movie with a bunch of people now, mine might have been a little different from yours because I think my audience was a little bit split in half. Like mm-hmm. I had, there was, the, I definitely had my brothers and sisters within the theater with me, and I knew exactly where each one of them were <laughs> because I could, I could hear them throughout the entire course of the movie. So like, I knew, I knew who was watching it with my lens, right. you know. Um, but it was an interesting experience because I actually went to go see it with uh, my roommate, good friend, and also my resident uh, woke white friend as well. So getting to watch <laughs> the movie sitting next to him was an experience in itself because like it just showed it was it was so interesting to watch us both watch the same movie, but watch separate movies. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm hmm. Like, that was such an interesting position to be in. And even the conversation afterwards was just so... It was so telling that the movie needed to happen when it happened because of the fact that, like I said, we watched two different movies. We watched the same plot and story go through, like, the whole length of the movie, but we watched two different movies and felt two different experiences. And it was very interesting to talk to someone who wasn't seeing the movie from my uh, POV afterwards and hearing what they had to say about it it was it was a trip it was a trip well because i think that you know different chords are gonna like strike you depending on your experiences and who you are watching this movie different things are gonna stand out to you you know um so there are certain lines i think in this movie that could be throwaway lines for some people but then you know if you relate to them as you know, most black people will, I think that they become more of like a, oh, I've been there moment, or I know exactly mm-hmm. what the fuck they're trying to say. <laughs> like, I know what that means. Uh, that's some bullshit kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, but at the same time, this movie is amazing because you can appreciate it. Any fan of movies, whether they like this movie or not, I think can appreciate it, no matter what your, you know, background, race, whatever is. This is a fucking good movie, and there's something in it that I think you'll appreciate. But, yeah, it's it's something. It's something <laughs> else. And, guys, if you've never been in a movie theater, a predominantly black movie theater. You're missing out. <laughs> it's different. Let me just tell you. It's not a regular movie-going experience. And it sometimes maybe it's a movie where you're like, ah, oh, this is taking me out of the movie but this movie is the is a great movie to have people yelling at the screen because Mm -hmm. everybody's thinking the same thing you're thinking bitch where are the keys bitch where are they rose (laughs) give him the keys (laughs) oh my god that scene that scene a second time through was just murder to watch like that was that was the one of the roughest scenes of the movie for me to like see a second time 
Cause like, man, Daniel just looks so like his, Oh my God. The way, just the way he played that gave me absolute shivers. It's so sad. It's so sad. And that's another moment too, that really made me appreciate Allison Williams because, and, and this is also the writing as well, because it's like, she didn't drop the act. The whole she didn't drop it when she mm-hmm. when you would have thought she would. She kept it going because she kind of kept him feeling a little bit of hope. And mm-hmm. then oh, when she pulled those keys out and she switched because she was like on the verge of tears and she's acting like she has no idea what's going on. And when she pulled the keys out and he dropped the bags, he had that bitch. I fucking knew it <laughs> moment. <laughs> She did <laughs> She did the horror movie equivalent of a code switch, like right in front of all of our eyes. It was like, you mother. And the, you know every person who's watching this is like, you mother. Because we, we mm-hmm. all trusted her. We all trusted her up until yes. he opened up that, that cabinet and saw, mm. yes. ooh, Rose. We, and, Rose, even, Rose, Rose. and that's the thing that I think is very smart because even after he opens up the cabinet and you see her with all of these black people that she's obviously dated despite the fact that she told him he was the first black person she's ever dated you see that and you're like okay she's not to be trusted but then she comes out and she's still acting like i remember the first time watching this and she continued the ruse you know throughout this whole confrontation with her family in my head i was like am i tripping maybe Mm -hmm. rose has maybe it's just like a misunderstanding and rose isn't a part of this so imagine my surprise i felt played i felt played like he felt played when she ended up being a part of it because yeah she like lulls you into this false sense of security and that was like another thing on the second rewatch that i noticed is that because they play up this dynamic in the family where it's like everybody around him is very obviously making him feel uncomfortable due to his blackness, right? But Rose is the one person who is always there to call people out on their shit for him or to tell him that that was disrespectful. You know, like she keeps playing this like, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like, they're not the people I thought they were, you know, kind of a thing. So she's kind of- And we all, and I think- we all kind of know this person. Like oh, we, yeah. we've met this person, especially people of color. Like we, we've met this person before. Some of us have dated this person. You know, like we know who this person is. It's a very believable character because it's it's stemmed in reality. Like we yeah. we know this person who is just completely, as far as we know, unaware of like the microtransgressions of their family. Yeah, and then are like, oh my, oh my god, they're just as bad. They're just as bad as the police. I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they're my family. So she keeps doing this throughout the mo- the movie. So then she becomes, by doing that, she really does become the only person he can turn to and the only person that he can trust in this situation. Because as far as everybody can tell, she is on his side. And she yeah. thinks that everybody else is out of pocket. And mm-hmm. so it's not hard to believe that he would still want to think that everything is a misunderstanding and that she's really going to pull those keys out and that they're about to drive away mm-hmm. because she's made him believe that she is his like right-hand man and that everybody else is crazy or everybody else is wrong. 
Yeah, yeah. And she does it throughout the entire movie, which before we get too ahead of ourselves, like I just, we're in like a very heated part of the movie, but I do want to backtrack a little bit yeah. because we kind of jump from zero to it. Because that because the second half of this movie is just a ride. Like once you're in it, it's hard to disassociate and like think about the rest of the movie and everything that happened. But yeah, the- you're on the roller coaster by the time the first half, you're like waiting in line and you're like sweating because you're so nervous by the second mm-hmm. half, you're like strapped in. Uh, but one of the things that, w- that we both agreed on is like a big, big pro for this movie is just how tight and how well written the script is, which, um, you know, we sing praises on to Jordan Peele all the time. And I think Jordan, if you listen to any of our podcasts at any length, I think you know how much we appreciate your work. Jordan, um, call us, email us. We're homies of horror at gmail.com. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Cause we, right. we would love to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but from, I think from beginning to to end, one of the things that I really enjoy about this film is nothing feels wasted. Mm-hmm. This script feels very tuned, refined. It feels like every scene was thought of at length. Every character was analyzed at length. There was no point in this film where I felt like my time was being wasted. Uh, and uh-huh. yeah, I, yeah. And I think because of that, it just makes everything hit so much, so much differently. Like, let's take the first, the first portion, the first <laughs> portion, <laughs> the first portion of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even just the the intro, we have this long one take with Lakeith, who is playing Andre slash Logan, and he's walking down. You know, he's walking down a suburban neighborhood by himself in the middle of the night, and you know, a lot of these scenes have been analyzed into infinity at this point. So, like, don't want to harp too much on it, but I do think it is. A very standout scene and a great way to enter us into this world of almost horror normalcy. Mm-hmm. Because as a black dude, I have been Andre at several points in my life where I am alone walking through a dark neighborhood that there are probably not a lot of people who look like me living in and just feeling absolutely uncomfortable that some shit might happen yeah. to me. Yeah, what is it? He calls it a suburban ass neighborhood. And <laughs> yeah, it's totally fair. It's like you feel, and I think the thing about it too is it's like he's completely out of his element. He doesn't even know where he's going. He's lost. And <laughs> so not only are you in this neighborhood that you probably feel like you don't belong and that people might come at you crazy, you're lost. You're relying on directions from somebody that's not even there. And also, I I don't know if maybe I just missed this the first time. I didn't realize that he was talking to for some reason the first time I re- every time I recalled the scene, I thought he was talking to a friend. And it's mm-hmm. only this last time that I realized that he was talking to his girlfriend, which is of course Rose. And so this scene made a lot more sense to me this time <laughs> because I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, how did they know where he was? But then Obviously, if he's talking to Rose and he's like, hey, this is where I'm at. Where do I need to go? She knows exactly what street to tell them to go grab him. So that made a lot more sense to me this time. 
Dude, then, I had no idea he was talking to Rose. I'm gonna be real with you. Yeah. I had no clue. Okay, That's cool. Crazy. So I'm not That's the wild. only one. Yeah, because the first time I watched it, I think it was the way that he was joking around. Like he was like, "You got, I'm out here in this blah blah blah, and saying all that stuff." I just assumed he was talking to maybe like another black friend. Yeah, that's but what yeah, I thought too. But he says, "Babe," and I was like, "Hold up!" Oh, and and then you realize, oh, he's getting directions from her. And mm-hmm. then the car, after he gets off the phone, a little bit of time passes, and then the car comes around. So, yeah, she's giving him directions, but also she's getting his location from him so that she can tell her brother, okay, he's on the corner of blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Go go get him. I'm out here in this creepy, confusing-ass suburb. <laughs> Gosh, how serious, though. Like a sore thumb out here. All right, baby. All right, I'll talk to you soon. See you. Whoa. Yeah, and then his brother pulls, or and then her brother pulls up and snatches him. Makes a lot more sense to me now that I realize he was talking to Rose. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, oh, dude, that's crazy. I didn't yeah. even notice that. And I love that moment because it's, I love the dialogue in this movie because it just feels so true to the way that people talk and i love the moment with the car pulling up and him being like nope nope nope, nope. just gonna nope. mind my business Could be me yep nope. it won't be me and then the car you know continues to follow him and he's like fuck it i'm turning around because i don't know where i'm going it's very realistic to me mm-hmm. like you know so when everything happens it's even that more unfortunate because it is just such a normal moment of life. Like people get snatched off the street all of the time and it just feels like that's how somebody would react. I feel like that's how I would react. Yeah. A hundred percent. If I, if, if I, if I was in that character's shoes and everything went exactly like it did in the movie, I would have move for move did the exact same mm-hmm. thing. See a random, the only car on the street just roll past me, turn and roll up next to me. Absolutely fucking not. I'm yeah. out. I'm instantaneously yeah. out. Yeah, playing some and run I, rabbit run bullshit. Yeah, no fuck. Bye. That. And I, <laughs> I, I fucking I love that about this movie, and I love that we get that from the first scene, even with Lakeith's character, because Chris is just the same way. Where you, there's always the joke about, uh, you know, black people are always like this. This movie, this horror movie would be a lot different if we had the black protagonist because they wouldn't be doing the same bullshit that you see in most horror movies. And I love that both Andre and Chris were smart characters that were aware that shit was weird and not the way it was supposed to be. And they still had to navigate through the horror of it all. Mm -hmm. And for me, that helped with my relatability to the movie is I hate watching dumb characters try and navigate horror movies. It's just at this point in time, it's not fun for me. I'm like, you're making this way too easy, (laughs) but watching these two, these two particular characters know that something is up and still get caught up in this web that they don't have any business or want to be a part of is just, 
that I think that adds to the terror of it because they're not dumb characters. They're very intelligent. Their awareness of danger is very sound. It's very, it's very concrete. It's right there in the script. And I think that also stems a lot from real life examples of just like a lot of times as people of color, you just have an extra layer of just danger awareness. I feel like you're just a little bit more attuned Mm -hmm. to the world around you because you know, shit could go South at any second. So you're like, you're always kind of like double checking things just to make sure. And I think this script really did a good job of capturing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I agree. There's just this extra guard up. But I, I think the thing I love about this though as well is that there's this extra guard up, but also, so like with Chris, because now we like mm-hmm. meet Chris and we get to learn a little bit about him, whatever. He is also so used, like used to people saying crazy shit to him that he has almost just accepted like that's just the way things are and he lets it roll off his back. And a lot of the times things in this movie that people say where you're like, oh, that's really fucking weird. It's not too far off sometimes. And so it's not ridiculous to think that he would just let that go and not, you know, and not think of that as like an immediate red flag. People say crazy shit and like, People do crazy things. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. I just think that that is, it was just very smart. The way that these characters are played and the way that these characters are written and the reactions that they have, I think was just very clever. Yeah. And so, yeah, we meet Chris and we meet Rose. And I also like that they're fairly, they're at this point in their relationship where they're fairly fresh, but they've also been together for kind of a long time. So, it's believable to me that all of this, like all of this makes sense. I like that he's going there to meet the parents and to meet the family because they're at that point in their relationship. And also it makes sense that they haven't been dating for that long because like Chris and Rod don't really know that much about her or her family. Mm -hmm. So it makes it harder to navigate once he's there and also Rod has no neither one of them know where her family lives her family lives like out in the fucking sticks I don't know this is like such a they own all this land and they <laughs> live like out in the middle of nowhere kind of it's yeah seems. I think it's supposed to be like upstate New York or some shit like that yeah but I don't see them pass a single house on the way to <laughs> her house it's just trees yeah, and we even get like uh, I think Dean, the the Rose's dad, even says to Chris at some point, like, "Yeah, the nearest house is all the way at the other side of this lake." Like, mm-hmm. basically letting him know that if shit goes down, ain't nobody, nobody gonna be there nobody. for you to for you to call for assistance. Like, you are on your own. Mm-hmm. And honestly, both Chris and Rod at the beginning are both already uneasy about the whole thing. Chris, especially because like he knows, like you said, like he knows. He's he's a black man. He's been a black man his whole life. He's been in these scenarios a lot. Uh, It's very easy to relate to the you're dating a white girl and then you're meeting the white family for the first time. Same thing of like if you're dating a white dude as like a black girl meeting there's the white meeting the white family for the first time can be nerve wracking especially if they don't know that you're black. And it's a weird thing that shouldn't exist. 
it's very like it sounds it sounds almost hilarious to say out loud because like why should that matter but it does it adds this different layer that's a lot of times not really talked about it's just an experiential thing that a lot of people go through but chris knows this going in he's like he even asked her like hey do they know that i'm black like do they know that this is a thing even this far into the future like this movie came out in 2017 Mm -hmm. um even in 2017 there's still this weird like unspoken stigma about like interracial dating like it's not as bad as it was you know years and decades ago but it's still there like it's it's still very much ingrained in there and there's this weird fear of like not being welcome within this world you're not because you're different in. yeah 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 you're the outlier exactly exactly mm-hmm. so he's rightfully nervous going into the situation and then rod in his funny way is just like you know damn well you shouldn't be going to no all white place <laughs> because that is that is where shit goes down and ain't shit nobody can do for you while you're in there mm-hmm. but i mean he does go and he does meet the family who i love the way that the Armitages are actually written. Like, I really, (laughs) like, I hate these characters, but I love these characters because they're so real. Particularly the dad. I've met that dad before. Yes. I've met (laughs) every member of that family on several occasions. And so I think that's one of those things that adds to just the visceral level of this movie is just like, I know these fucking people. Like, I've been in his shoes in that scenario, listening to some older white dude tell me things about whatever just so he can relate to black culture. I'm just like, bro, I don't care. Like, Mm -hmm. But also... So another back to like the whole Chris is used to this thing and Rose being his his savior. You know, we get the whole thing with the cop on the way there and Rose is making a big fuss over it. And Chris is like, dude, I know the deal. I know the drill. Like, mm-hmm. here is my trying to give the cop his ID. And that's the first time that we get this moment of Rose, quote unquote, standing up for Chris. And then she even says to him, like, nobody's going to mess with my man and like all this stuff. And it already starts to build this feeling with him where he's like, oh, she's like. She's got my back. She's about like, she's, she's about me. this business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, obviously, she just doesn't want the cop to know that they're together. Yeah. Zero, <laughs> zero paper trail. No paper trail. Too many loose ends. We can't kill a cop. Um, mm-hmm. So then. We also, uh, since we're on we're on that scene too, like yeah. this movie, as many of us know, is riddled, riddled with Easter eggs and symbolism. Um, too much to go over in one podcast. But one big primary one was this kind of deer analogy that's throughout the entire thing. And um, its connection a little bit to Chris's past as a character. Mm-hmm. And I, the second time watching this movie, paid more attention to that because I didn't really catch it too much the first time through, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so seeing this constant use of the deer and the buck and all this and all this kind of animal symbolism within the movie was kind of cool. Um, because we do learn like kind of midway through that Chris's mom dies, like, I believe in a car accident where yeah. she is, she's in the accident. However, she survives it and ultimately dies over time, like laying at the side of the road. And we get this moment where both Rose and Chris hit a deer and then Chris walks over and he's watching this deer die on the side of the road. And like, there's this very subtle parallel to his past and what's kind of happening in the present. And they use this a lot throughout the movie. Um, But I did think this was just one of those cool 
extra symbolism choices that was thrown in. It's not very like abrupt, like in your face, because I think the first time you watch that scene, you're like, why are we spending this time on this deer right now? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really click the first time. But I but I love that in several aspects of this movie, where after you know what happens and after you've seen it the first time, once you see these symbols again, they have this new meaning that's attached to them that gives an extra layer of nuance and flavor to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. that was one of the ones that I definitely didn't notice the first time. And picked up a lot more second time through. Yeah. No, I agree. And then also in this scene with the dad. So once he gets to the house and he's with the dad. Okay. I think I picked up where this all stemmed from. Like this entire thing that they're doing. I think the dad basically gives it away in this scene. Oh, Um, really? Okay. In my opinion. This is just my, this is my theory. Theory. Oh, we, we're get, we're every reach that point where we're like, all right, it's time to theory craft about what was going on. Theory corner with <laughs> What's Erica. Up? Talk to me. Okay, so the dad's walking through, and he and he talks about how his the grandfather was a runner, but the grandfather lost to Jesse Owens, and I think that that was the beginning of because the grandfather was like could not be beat and the first time that he got beat was by a black man and i think that stemmed in the grandfather this idea that black people's bodies are superior but their minds are inferior so he was attached to this he could not get over the fact that jesse owens beat him and i think that's what planted the seed for him to think well what if i could be inside of that body what could i do with that body and yeah, I think that that was like the beginning of it all. I think so. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I could vibe with that. Yeah, and so then he got older, and he and then it was like the perfect time. So he puts himself into you know a stronger, better body, which obviously they all believe that black people are like built for strength and sports and whatever. So yeah, he puts himself into a better body, and then he's like obsessed with running now that he's in this new young body. Which is why mm-hmm. he runs around at night like a like Mario, Fucking mad like man. Super Mario bouncing around. Yeah, which um, I love that that completely spurred an entire challenge. Like I don't know if you watched the Get Out <laughs> yeah, challenge I did, videos, I did. but yeah, the Get Out challenge was pretty was pretty freaking good. I was a big fan. Um, but it kind of navigates to a thing. Um, kind of talking about the family again that I really enjoyed about the writing of the family is they. One of the things I liked is I don't think this family was or i like that this family wasn't just like an overtly obviously racist family Mm -hmm. and i liked that throughout the entire course of this movie even though a lot of it has to deal with race that the characters whatever racism that they had or whatever microaggressions they were doing or whatnot were very nuanced because throughout the movie it wasn't like you can you can correct me if I'm wrong or if you had a different experience from this, but watching this a second time, it never for me, outside of maybe that little mini monologue that Dean gave like right before they all kind of swarmed Chris, it never felt like to me any of the any of the people participating in this system actually hated black people. More it more so seemed to come from a place of like they don't hate black people, but they want the things from black people that they don't have that they believe that they should, which. Yeah, I think they fetishize. Black yeah, people. yeah, 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 yeah. 
mm-hmm. where it seemed like it wasn't coming from a place of like we just think we're absolutely superior it's more so just like the we we covet these things that you have and we found a way to take them so why wouldn't we mm-hmm. yeah i mean i definitely think i definitely think that they are obsessed with black bodies and like everything that comes with that it's this idea of like what if i combined if we combined ourselves we would be this like unstoppable being is almost what i get from them sometimes where Mm -hmm. they're like my brain was in that body (laughs) oh my god the things i could do um sometimes i do think that jeremy tiptoes the line um Mm -hmm. but i still think that he just has an uncontrollable like anger that just you know he can use against chris and whoever um but But like even even his even his is like interesting because like the we have the table scene where they're all having dinner and stuff like that and he's saying some out-of-pocket shit Mm -hmm. in this dinner for sure but like he's he's very much he's being racist right like in the things that he's saying and like talking about, oh, how like your anatomy and your makeup and all this shit, like it it almost feels like that character was just so what's the word? He he would he was so fascinated with the genetics of Chris that he wasn't even seeing him as a human being. Like he was just seeing him as like this scientific specimen, Mm -hmm. you know, Yeah. where it's like, it was, it was a different kind of racism. Like it wasn't like a hatred racism. It was, I just don't really see you as a person racism. And I feel like throughout this movie, it just kind of covers like almost every single shade of racism that a person can experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I do think having the family and the people that Chris is interacting with not be just overtly racist was a smart way to go. Because if they were just like, we hate black people, um, we're just doing this to, you know, smite the black man and shit like that. Like, I don't think it would have resonated the same because we all know that racist. Like, I think at in 2017, we all know who that racist is. We know how to identify that racist. It's very clear when that racist enters the room. We know that. But this movie explores subtle racism and the ways that little comments that people make or like little ways that you interact with people that aren't the same color of you as you um, resonate differently than maybe you even realize. And like, we see a shit ton of that during that fucking party scene where he's just like being paraded around like a goddamn like dog for show. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I just think that's because it's, it's more common Almost every day you'll hear a microaggressive comment, but you don't run into like a full blown racist all the time. You know, like it's not that common. You can't, you will, but most of the time the people that you encounter are going to be more, you know, they're just ignorant or they're naive or they don't realize that they're saying things or thinking this way, but this is more of a day-to-day occurrence. So I think it's important to show that because I don't think a lot of people know that that's a thing that happens or Mm -hmm. thing that the way that that is said sounds crazy. You sound crazy. The words coming out of your mouth are nuts, but obviously like, you know, they don't, they don't get that because they don't understand that what they're saying is wrong. Like that's much more of a regular 
thing. So yeah, I'm glad that they like had that be the focus of this. And yeah, yeah, Jeremy just doesn't see to him. These people, you know, Chris isn't Chris. Chris is just a body that's about to be somebody else. So he doesn't care to get to know Chris because Chris isn't even about to be a thing anymore. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's he just, doesn't, his, he doesn't give a shit. No, about it's just his body. Chris the person. Yeah. His body is important. So Jeremy spends this whole dinner just sizing Chris up and he just wants to know if he'd be able to fight him. If worse comes to worst, he just wants to know if Chris has fighting abilities, because as we find out throughout the movie, Jeremy's way of getting people is the violent way, but they don't want that because they need to preserve the body. So like mm-hmm. at every turn, they're trying to calm jeremy down so he doesn't do the most yeah um but yeah, I yeah. Love how they like guys that with the whole trying to get him to quit smoking thing where like it's such a subtle thing that they add in at first right just to be like oh you know smoking is bad for you which it is yeah mm-hmm. like it doesn't seem really strange that a bunch of people would be like hey man you probably shouldn't smoke right mm-hmm. um wouldn't think that it's because they're trying to you know snatch your body from you but um i do love how <laughs> they they find they pick up on that and they use that missy the mom does a great fucking job of kind of luring him in the first time with her hypnosis using that as like the trigger which is just god the writing's so smart it's so smart i can't get over this script man it's so good yeah and i do like that it's like obviously rose has told them prior that chris is a smoker because that's going to be an issue like no most people want their body to probably be like completely healthy, but he smokes. So mm-hmm. I like how it's like the dad is like sees him shaking and he's like, are you a smoker? But it's like, dude, he already knew like he already knew that he was a smoker. He just used that as an excuse to bring it up so that they could use that as an excuse to hypnotize hypnotize him. Chris says he doesn't want to do it, which is smart. But yeah, she doesn't matter. She fucking gets him anyway. <laughs> She hypnotized did that, me. Did that hypnosis scene hit different for you the second time like it did for me? Because that shit hit this time. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, I think that I think the moment leading up to going into the sunken place hit hit more for me this time. Because I think the first time that I watched it, when he went into the sunken place, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was the moment. <laughs> you know, that was the moment where I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But I think I appreciated the moment leading up to it more this time and like getting all of the backstory and watching. I mean, this this whole sequence acting wise is like insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and I loved how, you know, watching it the second time, you can tell from the moment that he sits down, she is hypnotizing him. Like, I don't think I really noticed that the first time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from the moment he sits in the chair, she's like on her, on her game. She's yeah, like, that's what already got him. Yeah, that's how I felt watching it the second time. I think the first time I watched that scene, um, which is a phenomenal scene, and my God, Daniel, your acting is just out of this world. But the first time watching that scene, I was very focused on Chris and what was happening with Chris, and I wasn't noticing the things that Missy was doing from the beginning of the scene all the way through. And so watching it a second time, knowing what happens, I was able to watch both characters a little bit more evenly. And I think that for me added some extra layers to the scene. So when she hits him with that sink and that, that audio distortion there, mm-hmm. ugh, 
Oh God, yeah. so good. Yeah. But when she hits him with that sink and he goes down, like I felt that. It's so good. Also, this the sunken place gives me very like being John Malkovich vibes. Have you mm-hmm. ever seen that movie? Yeah. I know, and and it, particularly when she like walks up and like kind of like looks, looks into in. it. Yeah. Uh, but it's so cool. I mean, the sunken place seems terrifying because it's one thing to just you know them have that happen and you're gone you know like Mm -hmm. you cease to be but uh, it's a whole other layer of terrifying to know that you're just trapped in there and you're watching like a tv screen of your life now basically but you have no control over it Mm -hmm. um what the fuck i would go insane so yeah that is is really, really, really fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, super fucking scary. All right, we need to talk about this party scene. Uh, to be fair, most of I like I noticed a lot of stuff in this scene that I just wanted to discuss. Specifically, the second time watching it, the first time I missed out on a lot of things, which is fair because there's a lot of stuff going on in this party scene. So, first of all, the they say it's a a party for their grandfather and. I realized the second time watching it that Walter greets all of the guests Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he's the grandfather and because it's his party. And like, so yeah, of course. And also Walter and Georgina are guests at this party. They're not dressed, like Georgina's dressed in a nice outfit. She's not wearing what she normally like was wearing when she was serving them. It's because they're guests at the party they're not serving the party which is something i did not notice the first time and so then so then obviously this whole party i mean this whole entire movie is like an allegory for slavery but particularly this party is like a very big slavery metaphor because they're everybody is vetting him rose is taking him around you know to introduce him to people but really she's just showing everybody what they could possibly be getting what they could possibly buy so you know showing them the goods showing them the goods do a little walk for the people so yeah so you know each person has their different thing but i did notice so as she goes around to each person each person gets a little bit more brash with like the way that they approach it they get very like like they're not being subtle at all fair skin has been in favor for the past what couple of hundreds of years but now the pendulum is swung back black is in fashion and the first time watching it you see the look on her face and you think, oh, she's upset because they're saying these things to her boyfriend. But really, she's giving them a look of like, tone it down. Like, yeah, she's like, can you guys fucking chill? Because you're going to give it away because they don't want him to want to leave. So everybody needs to like, keep it together a little bit. Mm-hmm. So then the other thing that I thought was smart was that he goes up to the room. He goes upstairs. And everybody stops talking and looks and tries to figure out where he's going. And Rose, like, she comes up fairly quickly after him. Obviously, because somebody at the party said, hey, your boy is upstairs. You need to go get him. Like, what the fuck is he doing? So she goes upstairs. And I like that they did a thing where, like, 
the phone got unplugged rather than the phone getting broken. Because I think if the phone was broken, he would for sure want to leave. But the phone being unplugged could just be a mistake. But it's still a way for them to cut him off from the outside world Mm -hmm. without making him too alerted to the fact that something weird is going on. So I did like that. And then obviously the apology scene where Georgina comes in is is iconic. I mean, that like, no, 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 no. That part is so fucking good. (laughs) The performance was so good. And it still still hit the second time. Like I was was really watching this scene this time because I remember how good it was the first time I watched it. And man, did that not disappoint at all. It's wild. It's wild how good she was. In that moment, like, oh, my God, Betty girl, mm, chef's kiss fucking <laughs> slayed that. Oh, also, okay, so this is another thing. Obviously, Rose said something to Georgina because she needed her to go in there and kind of, like, smooth things over because, like I said, they don't want him to try and leave. But another thing that was a little bit earlier is so when he has that conversation with Walter and Walter's being all weird and he's like, oh, she's a one of a kind, top of the line, a doggone keeper. And he's like, take all that weird shit about Rose. Mm -hmm. And Chris goes in and talks to her about it. She says like, oh, did he say something? Like, did he say something weird? And I think it's because... She's trying to make sure that obviously they don't want Chris talking to Walter and Georgina, but he does. Like he talks to all of the black people, obviously. Yeah. And I think she was just trying to make sure he didn't say anything that would like give them away. Um, but anyway, so then we get to the final thing, which is after the seizure, you know, and everything is kind of calming down, the dad says, how about we do something and play some bingo? And then right when he says that, Rose is like, well, we're going to go on a walk. I think bingo is like their, you know, bingo is not bingo. Bingo is their silent auction that they do with bingo cards. And so Mm -hmm. I think that was like her cue to know to get him out of the house is like him saying bingo, which is not something that I picked up on the first time. Yeah. I mean, like once you know that they're going to do it in the bingo game, like, I think it's a lot more apparent the second time, too. But, yeah, the whole thing felt very orchestrated. Mm -hmm. Like, she, you can tell that family has done this before. This is not their first time doing the, doing the, uh, the pony show for the new body that they're going to sell off. And, yeah, it felt very... Very orchestrated. It was very eerie every time. I remember that the first time watching it. Very eerie every time uh, he would leave and then the party would just suddenly stop. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, okay, that's fucking weird. <laughs> and then even with even with the apology with Georgina too, like her apology was so strange this time around. Like she just added in so many specifics that now that I knew that what was happening, I was like, you need to say any of that. Mm-hmm. He was like, did you plug out my phone? And then she was like, yes, I plugged it out. But here's why. Because yeah. I was cleaning this area. And then it was it, it, was, it was very, the delivery was just so strange. She's trying and real hard to come up with trying Trying real, like way too hard. And again, like because of smart characters, I love that Chris noticed it. Like mm-hmm. because the moment she leaves, he's like, "Yo, that bitch is crazy." I know. <laughs> like he 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 knows he's not dumb. Like he notices all this shit is really weird, mm-hmm. and I love that. Like I love that 
this character, although he's smart, like he's already kind of stuck in this machine as it is. And so he's got to like he's doing his best to navigate the situation. But it's like there's only so much he can do. Like he's there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I love that as soon as I and they leave and he's like, that was not a seizure. Like we're going. I want to go. Like I love mm-hmm. that immediately. He's like, nope, I don't buy that. I don't buy this excuse. And he even has like he has the foresight to even take a picture of the guy because he's like mm-hmm. this. I feel like I've met this dude before. And then so and he sends a picture to Rod. It's like, yeah, we know this dude. Like we a hundred percent know this guy. Yeah. And it's just those little those little subtle things I think added so much. Um there was another there's another small bit as we're talking about the party that I did notice this time around that was a little different for me. So he's being paraded around, right? Mm-hmm. And then at one point he goes outside. And then one of the guys, I think it was like the older Asian gentleman, was like, um, "Do you think your experience is having a being an African American? Do you think your experience in the world is different, or something along those lines?" Right? And it was funny because, like, first time watching it, it's just like an off-putting question. It was like, "Why the fuck are you asking that right now?" Like, and especially because, like, watching it scene by scene, like every time it's getting like progressively weirder. And so, like, it kind of, like, bubbles into that where he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go do some some other shit. But there was a lov- level of reality, I think, in this particular watching where it's like, that isn't as strange as I think I thought it was the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you've been the only black person in a room enough times, you have definitely gotten that question where it's not, like, exactly word for word that same question. But it's just like, please explain to me the thoughts and lifestyles of every black person in the world um, right now in this moment. Please go ahead Mm -hmm. in front of like a group of people. And you're like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Well, because it's yeah, it's like off putting it. It makes you feel like, oh, I'm the spokesperson for every black person in the world right now. Like, I don't know, because it's like in the end, you know, each person's experience is still different like every single person depending on where you grew up and went through it's going to be different but then it it also adds like a layer of relief i think when he goes off on his own and then he finds the the blind art dealer because that that was the first character out of this party that seemed any semblance of normal right like Mm -hmm. he was actually having a normal conversation with him right and he can't see him so and he, he doesn't know that him. he's black. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Know so there's like there's I mean he does know that he's black, but like but, for yeah, him, we we find out he does. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there there is sort of like this kind of funny irony that the guy who literally can't see his race still <laughs> sees his race. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like uh okay, sure. Right. But I mean he sa- he says he's like I would he doesn't want him because he's black. He wants him because he's a good photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I think is interesting that, you know, that's what ends up happening. It ends up being like, I want your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I think you're still going to have your fucking bad photography yeah. skills, my guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the fucking thing about all of that is like, even if he says, like I think that's just another another form of like the subtle microaggressions, right? Where he's like, I don't really care what race you are. Like, I, it doesn't matter to me if you're black or whatnot. Like, I just want those eyes. He still wants this physical attribute 
of him where he's just like, if I have that, that thing that you have, then I'll be great. Where it's like, it's not taking into account his artistic stylings, like his mind that is wrapped around these photos. You just literally want this dude's body and eyes and you think that's going to fucking make you great. Like, no. (laughs) It's just another another person like fetishizing the idea of what Chris is and what he and what he could be if they used his body. It's just like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can't stand these old rich white people, I man. I can't fucking stand them, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he ends up buying his his body, and um, I do like a- another thing I do appreciate about this movie is, and I th- I feel like I've said this about movies before, but. The amount of time that passes between things is very important because the more time that passes between weird goings on, you have to wonder why are they still there? Why are they not reacting in the appropriate way? This movie takes place from the moment that Chris gets there to the moment that he is taken hostage of, basically. It's only like two days. So... Mm -hmm. They get there, they have dinner, and then he gets hypnotized. The next day is the party, and then that night is when everything pops off. He is not there for a long time. And I think that that was very smart because it allowed the tension and all of the craziness to build at an appropriate level that still felt realistic in the sense of when he decides that he's ready to leave, it's the perfect moment. It's the moment where too much has happened and it's like this is just i can't deal with this anymore and i think that that was very clever because it just makes the whole thing you you get you understand where chris is coming from you know why that was the thing that took it too far and you agree like i don't think i would have done anything any differently than he did because obviously we have to remember he is still with his girlfriend's family and that's even a point that she brings up when he's like I'm or when he says I want to leave and she's like you're gonna leave me and she like (laughs) is so dramatic um Mm -hmm. I like that he's like yeah no it's that bad he's like like, that's what it takes or not yeah what do you do so what what are we doing what's the plan yeah um but I think that that was very smart because you could see why he would try and put up with things and say, no, I'm going to stick it out because I, I care about her. And now they're saying, like, I love you. So he loves her. You understand why he tries to stick it out for as long as he does. But then you also understand why it gets to a certain point And he's like, no, this is too much. This is too weird. We do have to talk about the pictures because I do think that's the one cliche in this movie that it works for me. Don't get me wrong. It works for me. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of like, why did you leave them in there and the door is just open? I guess at this point, they just don't give a fuck. They've already got him. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she can hypnotize him at any time now. Um, but what if he had checked those pictures earlier? You know, like, what if right. he had found that that first night that they were there when she was asleep? And he was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Okay, so I will slightly devil's advocate this because I'm not sure if this is the actual connection. All right. 
but i i get what you're i get where you're coming from it's like it's very convenient right mm-hmm. that, that was open when it was so that he could see that um it's kind of like for us as the audience to also just be like okay we see this but when we fast forward after everything that's you know about to happen in that scenario and rose is just sitting by herself on her bed um at that point she has the pictures of all the dudes that she's been with kind of up behind her like framed like almost like trophies on the wall like all the pictures of like her and all of her relationships are there on the wall behind her Mm -hmm. so i wonder if she was just getting prepped to take those pictures back out and forgot that she left that open maybe yeah now, i am i you know i'm i'm connecting things that may or may not be connected here but i did that was just <laughs> something i noticed this time that i didn't before because i didn't notice the pictures behind her mm-hmm. when she's doing the whole fruit loops bit like i didn't notice those at all the first time but this time i was like oh shit the pictures behind her are her with all the black dudes that she dated mm-hmm. yeah and i mean the thing about it is i will say despite I know we just said like, oh, they have everything planned out so well. But I do think that to also play devil's advocate to the point I literally just made, um, (laughs) I I don't think that they have an MO for each person. I think that they take opportunities because as we saw with uh, Lakeith's character in the very beginning, they just snatched him up off the street. He didn't mm-hmm. even get to the house. He didn't even meet the family. Like, as far as we know, he was on his way to do that. And they said, ah, fuck it. We're just going to take him now. So I wonder if, you know, she obviously does live at that house with her family. I wonder if it was just one of those things where, oh, okay, now this is a situation where we're going to do this whole thing over the weekend. Um, and she just threw all the pictures in the box and threw them in there. Or told maybe one of her family members to do that. They threw that in there and then just like left it, not thinking that he would be staying over for the weekend or something. Because it's like, if that's her childhood bedroom, I don't see, or not her child, but if that's her bedroom, it's not unreasonable to say, oh, she like has to keep all the pictures and put them somewhere. Um, yeah. So put them in a box. I do, I do think because of the fact that she puts them up later on, like I do think she views each of these conquests as like little trophies. Yeah. Honestly, even going back to the fucking deer analogy that's throughout the whole movie, it's like the whole time when you're walking through the house, they've got so many just like deer heads sitting around. And it's just like these they're trophy hunting. They're literally trophy hunting. It's just mm-hmm. in this circumstance, they're using black bodies, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not crazy. Um, It's just one of those moments where I think because everything else they did was so precise and they were so coordinated with everything, it just seems a little out of character for her because she's so anal about everything. But at the same time, like I said, maybe she wasn't even the one that put the pictures there. Maybe she called her her dad and was like, yo, take my pictures off the wall, dude. We're on our way. (laughs) And he was like, oh, shit, and just threw them in the box. Um, So yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But I do think that's the one thing where it's like, okay, that's just a little bit too coincidental. But I do like that he finds the pictures. He sees that. He says, oh, fuck. And then he's like, we're going. We're going right now. And I love when she's looking for the keys and she's like, oh, man, I can't find him. And he's like, oh, you can't find him. You can't find him. OK, let's move. Let's move and talk. Yep. <laughs> and it's I think that's what makes that the the key scene even more heartbreaking, though, is because by the time he's at the bottom of the stairs 
and he's trying to leave. He knows, right? He has yeah. to know. Oh, for sure. He, for sure. he knows, but he's still holding on to this sliver of hope that maybe he's wrong. Like his, his, you know, his spidey senses are tingling enough that he knows he needs to leave. He's in fucking danger. But he still, even though he's found the physical proof that she is playing him and she's a part of whatever this big con is, he loves her so much that he's still hoping that maybe, maybe that she's still on his side. And I think that that's what hurts the most about just him. It's like, please, just please take out the keys. Like, come on. Like, I, I feel like he even knows that she has the keys in the purse mm-hmm. and he just wants to see her pull them out and say all right let's go yeah. like i think he just really wants to believe in rose and i mean she she fucking plays him so stupid you're so stupid rose because <laughs> i was cheering for you too but yeah no and she's crazy and then from that move moment on she's just like pure stone cold no emotion. I love that scene where she's talking on the phone with Rod. Oh, and my she's God. just like completely emotionless, but her voice is like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like she sounds distraught, but oh, her face. Her face. Mm. Allison Williams as Rose talking on the phone. And the last portion of Get Out is the reason why I have trust issues. I'm going <laughs> to throw it out there right here. Right now, I don't know if I can ever trust a phone call again because that fucked me up, dude. Yeah, dude. It's so good, though. I love that whole scene where he's talking to her and he mutes her and he's like, you fucking crazy bitch or whatever he says. (laughs) Oh, God. It's so great, though. It's like because then I think up to that point. We've thought, oh, her family are the crazy ones and she's normal. And then this is the moment where we're like, oh, no, she's like, she's on another level. That there's something between us. Oh, what you talking about, girl? I called you about Chris. No, Rod, whenever we'd go out, I remember you looking at me. What the fuck you know? Chris is my best friend. What the hell you do I know you think about fucking me, Rod. And you have to be, you have to be to, as far as we know, she gets in multiple relationships, lives these lies with these people, probably has different uh, personalities with them, sleeps with them, does all of this stuff with them, and then knows what's going to happen to them. You have to be emotionless to be able to do she's something She's a like full-on sociopath to her absolute core. Like, that was a perfect, uh, a, a, a perfect, um, what's the word I'm looking for, representation of a sociopath. She feels, even after everything goes down, she feels nothing. She's sitting in her room, eating Fruit Loops, separate from the milk, listening to, looking, look, looking at basketball players, like not yeah. a care in the world. And God damn it, I'm just, I'm never going to get over that damn cereal thing because it's such a small thing. But I was just so distraught watching her pick out single Fruit Loops and then drink milk out of a straw. You psychopathic son of a... Mm. Dude, 
Fruit Loops are so. I was watching that. I was like, ah, I could go for Fruit Loops. <laughs> They're so good. They look so good. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, those those loops sure do look fruity, and I would love a bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love that she's listening to "I've Had the Time of My Life." I love that song. So it upsets me that she's listening to mm-hmm. it with no emotion on her face when she knows she should be smiling listening to that song. Um, just to, I, um, I have to ask you this question before we even move on is like. Um, when you, when you, um, you know, when you have your cereal, what is the order in which you, uh, put your cereal items in the bowl? Do you even have to ask? I'm just making sure. Cereal first and then Okay. Milk. Okay. I just want, I just want to make sure, look, like I said, this movie gives me trust issues. All right. I just had to make no. sure that I was talking to the right person here. Because how can you measure it any other way? Like, how can you get the ratio correctly any other way? Look, I can't trust them people. All right. So I just need, I, I have to make sure I could trust you, Erica. She probably like, she probably eats her waffles and then just drinks the syrup. I wouldn't be surprised. That's a deleted scene of her just eating various foods. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Oh my god! All right, but then we have we have um we have Chris breaking out, um which yes, whew, that was picking cotton. That was that was the tops. That was the tops. I I loved I loved the whole escape sequence. Yeah, I love it from beginning to end. I love the whole symbolism that you know he a he's got this nervous tick that ultimately allows him to find a way to free himself mm-hmm. and then the you know the hilarious symbolism that he's freed from picking cotton out of a chair mm-hmm. is just one of those things where it's like it's a it's the little things that really mm, resonate <laughs> it's the little things that touch my heart <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and i love that he like goes for it obviously with jeremy he thinks that he's dead and he's not but he like kills them it's not like i'm just gonna knock him out he like i would have thought jeremy was dead too he's bleeding from his head you smashed his head in with like a ball he even gave him he gave him the double tap too it wasn't like a one one and run like nah he's like i'm gonna finish this man off right now he finished him off and then okay so the thing with the book so um a black book is a slur Mm -hmm. it's a derogatory term Mm -hmm. for black men and it was used to say to call black men who were like refused to basically bow under white people or, you know, who had like some pushback, um, basically rebellious. They would call him a black buck. And yeah, he uses the buck to kill to kill Dean. To kill the, the man in charge, the patriarch. He's like, you oh, know, fuck you. And oh, it's so it's so satisfying. I think I'll have another. <laughs> I think I'll have another kill. Because then he goes up and he kills uh, Missy. And I, the thing I love about the Missy scene is that <laughs> I love when he just walks it. I love he's just walking through the house. He doesn't give a fuck at this point. He's like, look, because he goes through and, you know, he sees, um, he sees, oh, he sees Georgina in the kitchen yeah. and she runs off. <laughs> and then he sees Missy. They stare each other down for a minute. And I love that really the teacup is, you know, putting him to his like sunken state is her only weapon that she can use against him. And he knows this too. So he gets, and he gets the teacup out of the way and says, now, now what? Now what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? So then I love the moment when she stabs through his hand with the letter opener and he is not, 
obviously it hurts. Like you can see on his face that it hurts, but he just doesn't give a fuck. And I think that that's probably fairly realistic. I'm sure with your adrenaline running and at this point that like that wouldn't slow you down. Like Mm -hmm. it would hurt. Yeah. But I I love that he just like is like, all right, I'm going to take this and then I'm going to kill you. So good. It's so these now, (laughs) of course, never, you know, saying violence is good. But God damn, were these some cathartic kills. (laughs) But boy, does it feel good in this moment. It yeah, these kills are are great, and, and they're pretty. Maybe, they're pretty course. brutal too. Like all things, all things considered, yeah. for like this movie, because it's definitely more of a psychological, um, whatever you want to call it, horror movie. It's its own genre entirely. But for in in terms of like horror movie standards, it's pretty tame, gore and visual wise, up until this point, and then it gets pretty damn brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. This last bit is like in. <laughs> is a lot um, of gore and blood and stabbing and slicing. And yeah, I felt I was the most happy when he killed Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Besides, Jeremy was my second. And then obviously Rose was like my number one. Mm-hmm. But I also love this idea of like, because they've set up throughout the movie that Georgina's It's not sticking. Like, her transplant, it's having issues. She keeps kind of breaking through the surface. And I love that they set that up because you understand why Chris would want not only that like obviously him hitting her with her his the car reminds him of his mother Mm -hmm. but then you've also set up that hey maybe there is hope for her because she keeps kind of having these moments of her true self coming through so you could understand why he would want to help yeah and he's also he's seen with her and with um Andre slash Logan, whatever. Like he's seen the people break through, and I don't think he fully at this point, yeah, understands how it all works. He's like, maybe there's some way to reverse this or some shit like that. Like it's very reasonable, yeah, that he would go back and say, like, clearly the audience, you're like, fucking leave, drive off, run her over while you're at Mm -hmm. it. Like you, you want that, but you understand his motive for going back for. Yeah, you you understand, and I think they did a great job of building that up and making it believable. Um, and also I love, I love the moment with Walter where we get a call back to, you know, we know that the flash kind of breaks the spell for a minute. Oh God, I don't know. There's something very satisfying about the fact that Walter got to shoot her because like he didn't get his, you know, he didn't escape. He's stuck and it's because of her. And Obviously, it would have been awesome to see Chris shoot her, but I don't know, man. Walter shooting her felt so fucking mm-hmm. good. Because I was like, you have to wonder. You're like, dude, how long has he been trapped in the sunken place? Yeah. Like, how long has this happened? How long has this been going on? And I love that he got to have his little moment of revenge. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's sad that he ended up killing himself. But at the same time, like... If it's that or be stuck in the sunken place, I would probably do the same. Yeah. And it's nice to also see someone else get the one over on Rose this time, too, because, like, she Mm -hmm. definitely thinks that she's handing that gun to her grandfather. 
And he's yeah. like, I bet. <laughs> I know. I love he's it. Like, I love it. Let, let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which also with the gun too, a fun little thing that I noticed this time around that I didn't before is in the beginning of the movie when they're like talking about going to the house, he's like, oh, are you sure mm-hmm. I'm not going to get chased off the lawn with a shotgun? And then lo and behold, she is chasing him off the lawn oh, yeah. with a gun. I was, it was one of those fun oh, yeah. little Easter eggs. I was like, ah, I see what you did there. That was fun. Yeah, that is fun. But yeah, this ending, dude. The ending. So <laughs> satisfying. I can't. The amount of serotonin <laughs> that fills my body when he, when the car pulls up and you see the lights and Rose's punk ass is like, help, help me. And then the door opens and the look on her face when she sees Rod get out of the car. <laughs> Unmatched, unmatched. Oh, I wish I could frame it. I would put it up in my room. Oh God, it's great. It was so good. It was so good. So good. I love it. Um. Also, I just want to shout out Erica Alexander, who plays the detective that Rod goes to talk mm-hmm. to. I love her. She, first of all, she spells her name like I spell my name. So. <laughs> obviously we're friends and then she was in living single which which i hot take living single was friends before friends was friends tell i'm look if you guys (laughs) try and come to me and say else something else but i loved seeing her in this i was like oh and it's such a small it's a small role but it's such a good moment like that whole scene where he goes to the right and you think for a minute that they believe him, but they're just, they just think it's funny. Oh, God. It's unfortunate, but I loved seeing her in this. I just had to shout it out and I had to put some people on to Living Single if they haven't seen it because her character in Living Single is A1. Truth, truth. So I, I got to throw this out there because it was actually a very Maybe. key thing for my first time watching this movie is I remember seeing this movie the ending happened, the credits rolled, and I'm like walking down the street with my friend who um, I'd seen it with, and we were like talking about it. And for me, in my first like couple minutes uh, sitting and resonating with the movie, I was like, I felt like that movie was perfect except for the ending. That was my initial reaction, right? And mm-hmm. I think that was stemming from a place of like, I'm a very logical person. And I knew that when those police lights showed up and he was hovering over Rose's body with his hands around her neck, when that police car showed up, I knew exactly what I thought was going to happen. And that is not what happened in the film, right? I instantaneously was like, well, he's going to jail. He's getting arrested. Or getting shot. Yeah, like (laughs) this is not about to end well for him because that's just that's just the way it is. And like, I knew this. And so after watching the movie for the first time and getting the ending that we got theatrically, I was like, I still love the movie. I still think the movie is so good. Um, But the ending for me, I think because everything else met my expectations so well and like I was logically along for the ride the entire time except for right there that that moment I thought I was like, man, that was a very Hollywood way to end that. Right. And then I think. A, maybe a couple weeks later, right? I see uh, somewhere on YouTube somebody posted the alternate ending to Get Out, 
which was almost like shot for shot exactly what I thought the ending was going to be. And so then I was in this new place of like, huh. So they did have the ending that I wanted, the like what I thought was a logical ending, but they didn't use that. And so I was still kind of butthurt. I was like, oh man, they should have just gone with that ending. Like that ending, that ending would have sealed it, like put a bow around it and shipped it for me. I was like, that that would have been perfect, right? And then so I sat on that for a while and then I finally heard um, Jordan Peele talking about why they changed the ending. And Mm -hmm. after hearing that, it really changed my opinion about it and definitely put me into the group of people that like the ending because he, and very much paraphrasing here, but essentially it was like he wrote this movie in the Obama era, right? And so he, it was definitely a commentary and wanted to get people to have the conversation about racism and like, and the social aspects of racism throughout that time. However, in 2017, when the movie came out, the um, the times had shifted and race was no longer like this thing that we were like barely talking about. Race was very much at the forefront of everybody's mind. And it was definitely something that we were very much in the heat of with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that. And so because of that, he and whoever else was involved determined that they wanted this sort of cathartic release at the end of the movie. Like they wanted the movie to end in a win. And even though for me, logically I felt like the other ending would have made more sense. I am 100% happy that we got the ending that we did because I think it served a bigger purpose than logic where it's like, Mm -hmm. we, needed the black person to win at the end of this movie especially for how important Mm -hmm. this movie went on to being it is i'm so happy that we actually left this movie with a win um so Mm -hmm. basically talking back to myself um several years ago walking out of that movie and thinking that the other ending should have been the ending um shut the fuck up old version of myself this ending was the tops and I'm very happy yeah, that they went with Roshane. it. Kick rock, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, dude. I'm so happy that they went with the ending that they did. It's just so good. It's just, oh, God. It just feels so good to win sometimes. And honestly, I, like, this is the thing with horror movies sometimes for me. I don't think, not every movie has to end with like a gotcha or, you know, sometimes a movie can end happily and that and the movie is still just as good Mm -hmm. for doing so. Would that have been the more realistic ending? Of course, because and and they do kind of set it up so that both endings make sense because he does make a call to 911 that gets dropped Mm -hmm. and then he also reaches out to Rod. So it's like both of them could make sense, but... Oh my god, I it just feels so good. Yeah. Like with the ending that it has, it's just so satisfying. Because, Partic- no, go ahead. Part- no, you oh, go, go ahead. for it. You go for it. You go. Oh no, I was just gonna say, particularly because the last 20 minutes of this movie, it's all losses for Chris. It's all losses. He is at the bottom. Like, literally, he can't there's nothing he can do. And so to watch him come out on top and also to have um, a resolution to this whole side plot 
with Rod is just to see those two plots merge together into what they become. And if you really think about it, Chris does still, it's not exactly a happy ending for him. No. Because he's gone through a lot of shit. But it's the best ending for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that he did yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, I think the other ending, although I do still, I still think the other ending is phenomenal. And like, had we gotten that ending, I would have been okay with it, right? Um, I'd like the idea that this movie doesn't sit with the predetermined notion that just because you are black, you're kind of just losing at the end, where mm-hmm. like, there it gives it gives hope that someday there will be a day when as a black person you can see police lights and not be afraid i think that symbolism is a very strong thing especially nowadays like for when this particular podcast is coming out and the things that we have seen in the past year like i would love to at some point in life just be able to see police officers or see anything police related and not tense up. Like that is a future that I want. And I think ending the movie this way gives that hope because for once, for this one instance, when the police car showed up, we we were afraid for the black man, but the black man didn't go down. They were able to actually make it through the scenario. I'm like, I can breathe. Mm-hmm. It feels good. It feels good to see that. Yeah. Well, and also, too, because it's like you think about it and every other black character that we see in this movie, not every other, that's dramatic, but a lot of the black characters that we see in this movie come to horrible ends. You know, mm-hmm. either they're still taken over or they are now dead. And it's nice to see somebody get out. <laughs> 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 there it is. Um, but and also it's nice to end the movie on a laugh mm-hmm. because this is a co- that this movie has a lot of comedic moments but this ending doesn't like the last how however many minutes does not have any comedy it's nice to end it on a laugh yeah that little I told you so it if, yeah it it feels good yeah um, a, a really so, yeah. a really quick thing I want to add in there too um because they they end the movie on the same. Um, music that I think they start the movie with. Mm-hmm. And just because we haven't talked about that a lot during this review is um, the sound design in this movie is oh lovely. absolutely phenomenal. I really loved it. And um, I one thing that I found out um, while doing research for this is that the mm-hmm. uh, song itself was actually had a hidden meaning behind it, which I assumed it did. However, um, because I don't speak Swahili, I did not know what it meant, right. but it is, it's a Swahili phrase, which I'm not even going to attempt to say because I'm going to say it terribly. You can just look it up. But essentially the, the song says that you should listen to your ancestors. Something bad is coming. You should run. Essentially you should get out. So like the song mm-hmm. itself that we hear about the beginning and end of the movie basically tell us how we should be feeling about the circumstance that we're getting into. And I I know that there was a lot of a lot of emphasis on sound in this movie and how sound was used. And so it's one of those things that I think a lot of people overlook 
when they think of horror movies is how important sound design is to the genre. Like, sound is everything yeah. when it comes to horror. And he never misses. Jordan never mm-hmm. misses when it comes to his sound design. And even with, like, Redbone in this yeah. movie, which by Childish Camino, I mean, Stay Woke. Like, I mean, I you know, it's like every, I think every song in this movie that has lyrics to it, like, has a meaning similar to that in the sense where it's like, you know, stay alert, get out, run, run, rabbit, run, whatever. It's like everything means something. Yeah. Oh, and also just a quick thing. When Rod is watching TV, when he's kind of trying to figure out, p- piece together what everything that's going on, on the TV it says, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, which is a commercial. And then it goes to the next commercial, which says, Million, millions of Americans feel the effects of aging <laughs> every year, which is like, ex- you know, it just basically tells you what's like happening. They know. They know old what they're people, doing. Yeah. Old people getting into young people's minds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, shout out to Michael Abels. I was trying to get the name of the composer, but it's the one that did a lot of the composing for the film. Um, so credit where credit is due. Michael Abels. Phenomenal. Hey. But yeah, dude, this movie is, it is rich with symbolism, um, theory crafting, masterful performances lots of tension is everything under the sun of like a good movie and i i feel Mm -hmm. like it makes sense why this movie gets all the praise and whatnot that it that it's received throughout the years oh i completely agree um yeah i think i think that this movie just came at a time that it was needed it told a story that was also needed and like is it, you know, it's not like it's the first black, you know, horror movie or whatever, but every movie, there are, you know, black horror movies that definitely make huge statements. And I definitely think this movie deserves to be up there with them. And I'm excited to get to a point where we have many, many, many get outs, you know, like where we have many movies that are like this and that tell stories like this. I, I mean, we're already on that path and I'm just like so excited to see where it goes. And I do think that this is a movie that will stand the test of time. Oh yeah. I mean, already, it already has, like they have, they have full fucking courses that analyze this movie and it was on a, um, outside production standpoint too. It also proved that a black led horror movie is profitable like and like it, it wasn't i don't think the first to do it but it was such an outrageous success in the box office that at this point now if a producer's like oh, i don't really know if this idea is gonna fly this all black horror movie you can literally just point at get out and be like um yeah excuse me yeah because i think before that you could almost count when a black horror movie was successful you could almost see it as like a blip on the radar as almost just like, oh, well, yeah, that one was, but who knows? Because there's so much time in between them. It was almost like, oh, well, that was just like an anomaly. But I think this movie was so successful that it's hard to overlook that. Like, that's not, you know, you you have this movie and then I feel like we had this surgence of like, oh, okay, maybe maybe we can sprinkle in a couple more black characters <laughs> into some of these movies and they'll just test the waters and, and um, maybe we can make them have it 
live through the entire movie. Maybe they can make it till the end, you know? Maybe they can actually Maybe. survive the movie and the movie still works. That would be nice too. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm super glad that we got to talk about this. I'm glad that I rewatched it. I'm glad that she still was smacking. And yeah, should we go ahead and rate rate this bad boy? I think we should. I think we should. Okay. So we could rate it out of out of bucks. Mm-hmm. Um we could rate it out of TSA agents. Mm-hmm. What else is in there? We could do could do Fruit Loops. Um, Ooh, we could do Fruit Loops. We could do it out of votes for Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, out of those, which one are you feeling the most? What are you feeling the most? Um, let's do it out, let's just do it, let's do it out of Fruit Loops. Do it out of Fruit Loops? Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, who's first? Um, I'll go, I'll go first. All right, we are giving this, this lovely, lovely film, five Fruit Loops out of five. Oh, there it is. There it is. I mean, did you guys think I was going to do anything differently? <laughs> Here's the thing, homies. <laughs> when we discussed having this BR finale movie, I mentioned that for the feeling that this movie gave me alone, it would probably be a four. And after rewatching it, I just cannot in my right mind give it less than a five because not only did I, I rewatch the trailer I would then before I watched the movie and like rewatching the trailer just brought me back to that feeling I had when I first saw it and how excited I was and I was telling everybody about this movie because I just I don't know like I was just so excited to see to see a black protagonist and have this movie that seemed like it was gonna be about race but like also be a horror movie and I was hoping so much that it was gonna be good and then when it was and like experiencing that in the theater like I just can't I don't know I just can't describe it and then to rewatch it and be like damn the writing's good the directing is good the acting is great everything just comes together in this movie and I just can't, like, obviously it has its, you know, every movie has its faults. I don't think that you'll ever have a completely perfect movie. But this movie comes pretty freaking close for me, personally. Um, so, yeah, I would be remiss to give it five, less than five. So, we got every flavor of the flavors, <laughs> basically. Although I think that they're all the same flavor. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that I also give this five Fruit Loops out of five. Um, easy peasy. I do think that if you'd asked me the same thing right as I walked out of the theater that day, I probably would have been like a little smart ass and did like 4.9 out of five just because I wanted the other ending. But <laughs> the more refined, dignified version of myself that I am now. <laughs> the scholar that the, I am the now. Scholar, <laughs> the, the, the movie reviewer that I am now. <laughs> no, but after hearing why the ending was changed and um, hearing the reasonings behind that, that completely washed over that one criticism that I had initially. And this movie to me is just... This is like the pinnacle of good movie making. You have a great script. 
you have phenomenal actors, you have amazing direction, phenomenal sound design, cinematography. We barely even talked about it, but some of the shots in this movie are absolutely phenomenal. Um, Just everything about this movie is good. All subtext and plot devices aside, this is just a great fucking movie. And Mm. it is, I think, it it definitely deserves the praise that it's gotten 100%. And I think it serves very much so as a great reference point to just great filmmaking and great storytelling, where if you need to see how to tell a succinct, important story in two hours or less, go watch Get Out, and boom, you have a great example of it. Uh, Absolutely love the movie five delicious fruit loops out of five mm, um yum. enjoyed it second time through we'll enjoy it third time and all times beyond that so and if i ever say i don't like like it out i'm for sure in the sunken place <laughs> get come check up on me get somebody to check up on me <laughs> something right send help please and thank you <laughs> please <laughs> all right homies well there you have it our first Fives, Double fives. I think it's the first one we've ever given double fives to, I think. Double fives. But like I said earlier, homies, we had to go big or go home. And boy, did Mm -hmm. we go big. So please, (laughs) please talk to us about Get Out. Because like we said, this is a movie you can talk about for forever. If you guys have any seen any like cool theories or ba da 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 um that you would like us to hear then feel free to um message us we are homies of horror on all social medias um and you can also message us now that black history month um is over <clears throat> we are open once again to all horror movies so if you guys have any recommendations or requests please let us know you can also email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com um and if you guys would be so kind as to uh, go on over to apple podcasts and leave us a rating or a review we would very very much appreciate it um so yeah if you are so inclined to do that we would Love you for it. And other than that, that's going to be it for us today, homies. We hope you have a great rest of your day slash week. And we will be talking to you next Monday. Catch you later, homies. Bye.